0: I am not your failure,
1: Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Hello everyone and welcome to Star Wars English Class summer school. We are here today to discuss the final three episodes of obi-wan kenobi um we're a little late to the game Uh, um but you know that's just because we really took our time to um process what we had seen um and you know gather our thoughts and now we've come to share those thoughts with you and definitely not because i was gallivanting around europe
0: anyway hi some might say you were traipsing I
1: was traipsing. Anyway, hi, I'm Fern, and this is Julia. Hello, I, I am, in fact, Julia. Um,
0: No, I mean, we, we, you know, you needed a break to, like, frolic in some Swiss mountains, and I needed yes. a break. That's the end of the sentence. I <laughs> <laughs> needed a break. Um, but yes, I'm actually, you know, I think we talked about actually feeling a little bit nervous about recording this episode, but now mm-hmm. that I'm actually here, I'm feeling pretty good about it, because I think we'll get a chance to work through a lot of the um, things that, uh, now that we've had time to think about them, I I think, you know, something we agree on is the idea that it can be good to actually take time and, you know, have your initial reactions, but then Mm -hmm. give yourself some time to think a little bit more um, on it and let things settle. And um, so I think it's okay that this is a little bit late, and hopefully... People aren't tired of hearing about the show, but I think we will have things to say that maybe you haven't heard yet, or maybe you haven't yeah. considered. So it might be interesting um, to get a different perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say I almost never know how I feel or what I think about something directly after consuming it other than like you know occasionally you have these moments of pure euphoria Mm -hmm. when watching something where it's just like okay I know this hits and like this is Mm -hmm. going to hit every other time I watch this other than that it usually takes me a while to really figure out where I stand on a piece of media
0: yeah even my favorite things um, I didn't realize Return of the Jedi was my favorite Star Wars movie until Maybe a year ago, and then I realized I was like, no, no, no. Like, if this is really this is the one that is my favorite. I've been playing a lot of Fallout recently. I didn't realize (laughs) how much I loved Fallout New Vegas until maybe five years ago. Like, it it just sometimes, you know, these things that I would consider like intrinsic parts of my being—they're—they're not instantly always your favorite. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. things are Uh, Outer Wilds, another video game I talk about all the time, instantly my favorite. Um, But that doesn't always happen. So I agree. Um, and I think, you know, because it's this weekly release schedule, and this is something we talked a little bit about in the first part, it encourages, especially people like us who are in the business of talking about these things, mm-hmm. um, it encourages you to have something to say, and that's a lot of pressure. And I think, um, it can encourage people to feel really like stressed that they need to put something out. And so um, it can be good to
1: give yourself a little bit of time. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like we all work at the hot take factory um, and our job is just churning out hot takes. Um, the hotter, the better. And I oh. don't want to work there. Okay.
0: You know, the famous um, scene um, of Sally Fields holding up the sign that says union in, in the factory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's me in the hot take factory. <laughs> we, we need to, need to unionize, we need the, to hot unionize take the hot takes because frankly, like, there's no collective bargaining. Like we are at the whim of yeah. the, the thing. We have no power here, right? Like we are just, we're fighting with each other instead of coming together. Um, so yeah, I, I would say collect,
1: collective wise, the, the hot takes. Um, we're going on a hot we, take strike. We you will you not give you here, any more hot takes until conditions until, change.
0: Until our demands are met.
1: <laughs> we will
0: not, yeah. you hear us tac talk? You hear us podcasts? it's it's um the hot take labor movement this is not a joke I'm not making no fun of no, labor no, no, movements. no 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 I'm very pro labor movements I just think I think so we are right we do actually work in the hot take factory and I personally don't like working in the hot take factory but it's the only job yeah
1: so like it is the only job you can really have on the it's internet. like Obi-Wan working at the the the,
0: the yes, whatever the creature that is on out. Tatooine. yeah and we're all just cutting off little pieces to feed to to Buster, um, Buster. Is Buster eats the hot takes. Yeah, Buster. <laughs> if you're not familiar with my dog Buster, um, this because this is an audio format. So many mm-hmm. of you might not know. I have a three year old Karen Terrier named Buster, who is the Mandalore. He defeated Maul. Yeah, we, yeah. in combat to win the dark saber. Um, he this can happened. Use, yeah, he can use the Force. Uh, very strongly, he, he's his biggest skill is is telepathy actually mm-hmm. because he has little doggy paws, um, and his mouth is quite small. He weighs 14 pounds, so he uses a lightsaber telepathically. He sort of uses his mind to fly the lightsaber around. Sure, um, but he does eat hot takes. Is that's his primary? Uh, for a form of fuel is I have to cut off a little piece of hot take at the hot take factory and wrap it up in a little piece of cloth and hide it in my apron. And then I walk to my, to my car, which is just my 14 pound dog <laughs> and feed it to him and then somehow magically ride him back to
1: my apartment. Yeah. That, wow. Well, this has been enlightening. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we, we are dealing with
0: like limited recording capabilities. And I
1: said, I'm going to tell an elaborate story about my dog being the mandalore anyway yeah no we don't have to worry about the time limit at all i'm sure it's not going to be a problem at all um zoom zoom i really take issue with you limiting uh recording capabilities for teachers not recording but meeting uh limits for teachers don't like it it. might have to find another
0: format yep Mm -hmm. anyway um, Fern, do you want to give people a brief reminder? Because it's been a while. Our mm-hmm. goal slash style. Would you like to remind people of the style of this episode and our goals in this uh, summer school miniseries?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is actually the anti-hot take factory. Um, this is the opposite of the hot take factory. This is the um, cold take clo- classroom. No, that's nothing. Um, no, but Seriously, um, we are coming to this series not necessarily with our sort of initial reactions um, or our sort of initial impulses, um, but instead we're taking the time to think about this show through the lenses of um, some of the different theories we've discussed um, or frameworks we've discussed on this podcast in the past. So um, for example, let's, what's an example from the last episode? Um, so we talked about, um,
0: well, I, I briefly mentioned, and I'm really excited actually to see, to see, like I'm, I'm going to watch myself do it. Uh, we talked about the idea of a revenge arc and I, I had mm-hmm. done an episode on a sort of, renaissance drama revenge and sort of how it has uh, influenced characters like maul and so i was jokingly talking about reva revenge and sort of mm-hmm. the the arc of her character um and thinking about since at that point we hadn't seen the entire series where her character might end up and um now that's something that has been I'm not not sure I would say subverted, but there's an interesting comparison to characters like Maul or really any other revenging protagonist in Western uh, literature. And um, with that sort of lineage in mind, you know, it it can bring up some interesting conversations. So, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So um, I had a professor in college who would say that, you know, she was never going to take how we felt about a text away from us. We could love it, we could hate it. She was never going to try and you know, argue with us about how we should feel about a given text, but that that was not the discussion we were having in the classroom, right? We were not approaching these texts from the sort of viewpoint of like, this is how I feel about it. Um, we were having different conversations and how we felt about the text really had like, very little bearing on those conversations and that's basically what we're trying to do here um yeah yep yeah yeah agreed I mean and I think we we you know
0: we might have mentioned in the first one you can't ever get rid of your feelings and you Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to like you said oh no like you don't need to get rid of them it's just being aware of like what conversation you're having what your goals are in that conversation and what you're trying to
1: accomplish things like that
0: anything else you want to say before we jump into i think we're going to do like we did last time do a brief discussion of each episode so in this case four five and six and then i know we want to spend some time talking about the series as a whole at the end is there anything else you want to say before we get into
1: it i don't think so i think i'm ready to jump into the discussion okay what's on your shirt uh our friend ephraim <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I was like, that looks really
0: familiar, but I can't tell is okay. That makes sense. I was like, is there a person on your shirt? And yeah, I know he, he, it kind of looks like he's, uh, he's like, hi, hello. According to the podcast today. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. These are, you know, we're going to quickly, uh, relatively speaking, go over episodes four five and six. And, um, You know, I labeled this section reading responses being that, Mm -hmm. you know, you are assigned to this and you kind of have to come up with your thoughts and then um, pick out the things that are most interesting to you. You obviously can't cover everything and then kind of uh, synthesize those later um, as we sort of uh, go into overall thoughts. But let's start with episode four. Um, Fern, your reading response, what were the things that jumped out to you immediately that you wanted to bring
1: up? So firstly, I felt like this was a really functional episode. Um, There was a goal. The episode was completing the goal, right? Uh, Achieving the goal. The goal was we need to rescue Leia. Um, And by the end of the episode, they have more or less done that, right? Um, I don't know how much we want to get into um, other responses to this episode, Um I think it might be useful to, I mean, I think,
0: you know, one thing that I know we want to get to in overall thoughts is, in fact, partially the idea of discourse or the idea mm-hmm. of discussion and how we interact with media. So I think that's that's fair game, um, especially since it reveals what people um are thinking about or sort of expecting, or yeah, I think it's all useful information.
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I thought the response to this episode really interesting because people were calling it a filler episode. Um, and I would argue that it is the exact opposite of that. It is, in fact, like hmm. moving forward the plot in like a uh, very clear and functional way. Um, and that is not to say that there's not also um, some some character development and such, mm-hmm. um, but really this episode is moving us from one plot beat to the next. Um, so I would argue the opposite of filler. Mm-hmm. Um, also another thing I really want to discuss, um, and and I talked about this when the episode first came out, it really has the structure of an episode of Rebels, Mm. um, which as a Rebels fan, like I really... I I enjoyed that. So that's Mm -hmm. my personal connection, right, to the text. Um, There are many episodes of Rebels where a character has been taken by the Empire and so the rest of the crew needs to break into a fortress or Mm -hmm. a base or what have you, Um, you know, sneak in. It starts as a stealth mission. Then there's some combat of some sort and eventually they succeed in rescuing whoever needs to be rescued. Um, It felt to me like... It sort of mimics those mm. plot beats almost exactly, down to in the middle of the episode, a, a devastating sort of moment where you mm. realize, you know, the the sort of like chilling yeah. um, might of the Empire. And and I'm reminded here of um, when Ezra and Kanan, you know, discover Luminara's body and how it's yeah. used to lure Jedi uh, to their deaths. We have a a moment that seems to parallel that. Yeah. Um, in some interesting ways in this episode.
0: Right. So why do you think that is like, why do they have similar structures? Like what is it about episode four that is, that sets it up for that type of structure that is similar in so many ways to something that was fairly common in Rebels? It's a
1: good question. Um, I mean, I think, I think we can sort of approach this from two perspectives. I think um this episode, more than any other seemed to have ties to non skywalker saga. Mm pieces of Star Wars, sure. right? Um, I haven't played Fallen Order, but people speak right. to the parallels between this episode and Fallen Order. Um, so there's already sort of a flavor there of, okay, we're touching on other pieces of this story. Um, we're, we're referencing or alluding to things that fans of these games and these shows might be familiar with. I think we we might have to go back earlier than I anticipated to the hero's journey. Um, <laughs> what I, and I, I don't know, like I don't have this answer here. Um, like prepared in mm-hmm. my head but I wonder if the sort of point that we find ourselves at on the hero's journey um or like if we're thinking of it as a Freitagian sort mm-hmm. of storyline throughout you know the the series as a whole um does this particular moment in those different uh, templates or formulas lend itself to this particular structure. Right. I wonder, right? Like, is there something? If we went back and looked at a season of Rebels, would we find that these sort of like rescue mission type mm-hmm. episodes tend to come at the same place? Sure. Then, um, I don't know. I don't have that answer, um, but it would be something interesting to to take a look at. Yeah,
0: yeah. I just think it's interesting to uh, look at that comparison because, you know, something a lot of people say about Rebels, if people that are, aren't fond of the show, that it has to do, that it is filler, that it is a lot of um, thing, you know, episodes that aren't directly related to what people see as the main plot. and it's occurring to me now that maybe because episode four is in such, like you said, it's a very um, functional episode. It's, it's one kind of self-contained more. It's the most episodic to, you know, figure out why we're here. Like why Leia has been taken by the inquisitors and what everyone's doing. They're rescuing her. Like that's where the previous episodes come in. But in general, the actual content of the episode itself is like need to do this thing, get out. And I'm wondering if there's a association between episodic storytelling and filler. And I think there is based mm, oh on not. how people um, feel about the like quest style um, episodes of the Mandalorian and how those are more episodic. So that's an interesting comparison. And I, and I, that's something to look into. I like, I wonder <laughs> like episodic versus serial in terms of like, what is seen as filler and what is seen as like the main story that's, there's gotta be something there.
1: I feel like there's got to be something there. I think it's worth some more investigation in the future. Yeah. Um, sure. But what was your reading response? What are, what, what would you bring to the uh, seminar table as it were for today? Um, so what I would bring to the seminar table for episode four
0: is, you know, this is difficult, right? Because we're talking a lot about how you have your personal response to it and then you have sort of academic response to it. And so the way I would sort of Synthesize those two into something that I would turn in for class. Is that I would say episode four was the place where it was clear to me the overall trajectory and like scope of the series. So I mm-hmm. think um, episode three is sort of this emotional low point. Um, and then after that, you would imagine the character to sort of go through this. Or Obi Wan's character to go through this, if we're following like a hero's journey, uh, period of sort of competence and growth in order to right. achieve the goals, um, and that does happen. And so I think it was just very, you're you're doing that in concert with a short time frame, and so it became very clear. Like, okay, this is where they're going with things, and because um, we talked a lot about the sort of predictability of the mm-hmm. um, overall plot, and so I would say. It became clear sort of solidified in my mind the overall structure and scope um and that's interesting to me because not a lot of miniseries in many ways there's always you know media is made in a way to always be able to continue and that's something we can talk about later but in this case I feel like this is a really tight six episodes in terms of like how they are uh spending their time and what they're Giving time to an episode four, going immediately into that sort of action pack to moving things forward, um, was very revelatory in terms of like, okay, this is the structure we're going for. Episode five is probably going to be sort of like the big buildup. And then, it, it, yeah, I think it was the missing piece in
1: terms of like what the show is going for, structure was. I do want to return to this discussion of the hero's journey for a moment because um, we had sort of predicted at the end of our last episode that, okay, we have, you know, Obi-Wan has just... um, faced Vader and lost. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he he is unconscious. We could have, you know, some sort of weird force vision or, or some spiritual moment of some kind, um, that I think we had anticipated as like this moment, you know, this death and rebirth, right. Um, the innermost cave or what have you. Um, and then it became clear to me after watching episode four that, that that moment in the hero's journey was the fight with Vader, sure. yeah. um, and that that clarified some of my expectations. I think for the rest of the series mm-hmm. as well. Um, some people talked about the the tomb right yeah. as this innermost cave. Like he has to walk through this room mm-hmm. of his fallen Jedi and and face his guilt, um, and that's this. Mm-hmm. Spirit. Death and rebirth. And I don't quite buy that or agree. I guess um, if only because I think like we see at this point that the story is solidly about like him and Anakin, right? Yeah. And not necessarily about his can I don't know if I want to get into this. Well, Uh,
0: I I think here's (laughs) what here's what we can do. I think we've earned. A little bit of time at the end of the episode where we can just be like, hey, we're going to take off our teacher's hat for like five minutes and just be like, okay, here's, here's some things that I, here's what I would say if I wasn't going to be academic. And then we can decide if we want to keep it in the episode or not. Okay. Okay. I like that idea. That's, that's, that's my, that's my plan. Um, But I think, okay, so here's something about the hero's journey as well. That is so interesting to me is, okay, so you have a map and you can follow that map but what happens if the people disagree about the directions? Like, what if people say like, well, clearly that's that landmark. And you're like, is it that landmark? And you're looking at the map and you're like, I I guess it could be that rock, but like, it's just a picture. It could also be that tree stump over there. So the idea that people can, I think this goes to something we talk about a lot. Um, you know, people think if you have a like clear roadmap, it's sort of solid you know simplifies things but um in this case people are disagreeing over about what certain parts of said hero's journey are people talk a lot about i mean one of the most interesting questions you know to ask um especially i'm thinking like elementary school when you're learning about story structure what is the inciting incident and i remember talking with people about like well technically isn't it blah 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 and you can really like get into it and get students to start thinking about cause and effect and stories and things like that so Um, what is your thoughts on, like, people disagreeing over, like, what the moment of death and rebirth is? And, like,
1: I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I I don't think that there is a wrong answer here, necessarily. I think that there are answers for which we have, like, maybe more evidence or, like, perhaps a stronger argument could be made for one. I personally believe that a stronger argument can be made that this moment of, uh, you know, Obi-Wan fighting Vader and losing, um more, uh, there's more evidence that this is the moment the writers at least were thinking Mm -hmm. of as this sort of like low point in the hero's journey. Um, that is not to say that there's not evidence for this other moment being that landmark and being that, that point in the, um, formula as it were. Um, and I do sometimes think we get a bit too stuck on like wanting to be right about these things about wanting there to be a clear answer of like no it's definitely this Mm -hmm. instead of you know no this is like a reading that perhaps uh has more evidence to support it Um, Yeah, but that's not to say that other other readings are wrong Um, yeah or they don't have
0: value um i don't know if you this is going to sound way out of left field. Um, I don't know if you follow, there's a a biblical scholar on TikTok, Dan McClellan, who uh, does a lot of stuff on translation. And earlier today, um, he posted a video talking about some things in theory, like theory that are really useful for him or some of his favorite lines. And one of them is from Polish American scientist and philosopher, Alfred Korzybski, Um, the map is not the territory. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I love that." Um, yeah. And I think, like, I've just been thinking about this. Yeah, the map is not the territory. Mm. Like, your uh, analysis of the hero's journey is not the story itself. That's a lens you can use to analyze the story, but the story itself is not the hero's journey thing. There was another. There was another little pithy statement he had in that video as well. I can't remember what it was. That one was good too. But the map is not the territory. It was like, yeah, that good. Got it. And then someone in the comments was like, and Foucault, you know, would say like <laughs> who the power, like who drew the map. And I'm like, you're so right. Yeah, like, yep, yep.
1: Yep. Yep. It's not
0: even it's not even out the territory. That map was drawn by a person and like whose power, uh, you know, was was inherent in. Creation
1: of that map, so that's yeah. yeah. I thought it was a super solid episode, yeah. for what it's worth. Like, I think that it's it, it's. I mean, functional is just the word that keeps coming to mind. I yeah. think it does what it sets out to do, and I think it does it well. Yeah. So. It was very um, efficient, which
0: yes. is something that um, I know television, especially, is is always trying to achieve. And so, um, I just don't care about Star Wars being efficient. No, I like, like weird <laughs> long. Yeah rambling pointless things so even when something's very well made i'm like hmm, but what if it was worse
1: instead i, I mean yeah so i mean <laughs> my favorite star wars movie is attack of the Clones. so that resonates yeah
0: like what if it was three hours long and most of it was unnecessary like have we considered doing that it made no sense yeah i would love some of that please
1: <laughs> okay any final thoughts on episode four before we move on to to episode five i like at the end when the he wears a big coat and he hides leia in his coat well, that's very that was- rebels you can see <laughs> yeah. that is a Canaan and ezra
0: joint um that is something they would do yeah and um and i think that's something too where not even structurally like the silliness of it almost uh combined oh, yeah. with the like hard-hitting emotional like some of the most intense emotional experiences plus very very silly um That's That's what Rebels excels at. That's what Rebels excels
1: at. Episode five. Yes. So uh, before we even get into it, Uh you said to me when this episode came out that if episode four was an episode of Rebel or was structured similarly to an episode of Rebels, Mm -hmm. uh, episode five was like an episode of the Clone Wars. Would you care to expand on that?
0: The differences between the two series in terms of like how an individual episode is structured um is part of it although i would also say that the reasoning behind like what about it that sort of reminded me of the clone wars is is also just like aesthetic Mm -hmm. so um obviously it's like getting sort of over the obvious we have actual clone wars era or like pre-clone wars era closer in time to that um being referenced in flashback. And um, I think the parallel structuring, um, something that a lot of Clone Wars does is give you parallels between certain characters or have them going on sort of um, similar missions or similar journeys and sort of coming up with with different results. Um, especially Anakin and Obi-Wan, when they're doing things together, it's this opportunity to see them um, in comparison and contrast to each other, kind of knowing how things end up in the yeah. future, right? So one of the joys of the Clone Wars is, the joys or pains of it is getting to see that closeness and especially, you know, Obi-Wan either as his master or as his former master and then um, predict, we're, we're meant to fill in the outcome. We're meant to fill in what we know happens later. Here, it has already happened. It's, it's a flashback. So I think a lot of it is... I have a, aesthetic is right or thematic. Structurally, I don't know necessarily. Mm-hmm. I would have to kind of go back and think specifically if there's anything structurally that's more Clone Wars. I would say Clone Wars tends to work in, not that Rebels doesn't have arcs, but there's so much more of Clone Wars that there's a lot more here that would be harder to pick up on. And you would need to have sort of more knowledge um, right. of things around it um, in order to make sense of what's happening it's not a standalone and it is more focused on not even nostalgia but like dramatic irony there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff in Clone Wars is dramatic irony um so that's kind of I guess thinking yeah it wasn't really structural it's more thematic and aesthetic wise they're saying hey do you like the Clone Wars
1: <laughs> we heard you liked the Clone Wars we heard, we heard you are, are a fan of the
0: of this show um and so it's doing a lot of similar things in terms of Oh man, sort of knowing what happens, except it's kind of the reverse of that, where it's mostly focused on the aftermath as opposed to what we know is going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it uh, it it made me feel like everyone should go read Brotherhood by Mike Chen. <laughs> it did. It did make me feel that because um, thinking
0: about okay, why include um, a flashback, for example? Mm-hmm. So like functionally what does the flashback do in the story? Why take time away from your forward momentum to go in the past? And because you're the creative writing person here, what, like, what, is, the, what is the general, uh, the standard understanding of like, okay, would you like taking time away from your forward momentum of your story to go in the past, why do that? Like, what is the purpose? And then specifically, like, what would you say is the purpose of this particular series of scenes uh, in this episode?
1: Yeah, it fills in details or information that we don't have in the present moment, but are relevant to the the, the action that's sort of um, being sustained over the course of the episode. Um, it, I think oftentimes flashbacks are a way to draw parallels Um flashbacks are relevant, not only because they contain information that's like relevant Mm -hmm. for us to fully understand what's happening in a a given moment or what's happening in a given relationship. Um, but also because the things that are happening, uh, you know, now in this present moment, parallel things that have happened in the past. Um, and that is exactly what we see here, right? We are seeing, um, this, this moment in time reflects a moment in time that happened many years previously. Mm -hmm. um, And the outcome, you know, Mm-hmm. The the goal ultimately is for us to compare the outcomes
0: yeah i i think i think that's a good way to think about it is it's not just information mm-hmm. it's not just as kids say lore um in this case it's the themat- i keep saying thematic a lot but that's it's just a very thematic show i don't know what to tell mm-hmm. you i was very interested in themes i mean like a couple yeah. of them but they're Very interested in them. Um, I also, because I'm I'm that point of view gal. um, These flashbacks are from Anakin's point of view. Um, They're all um, he's the one remembering them, um, which is something that uh, does I think frame how we are seeing the scene um, and what purpose it it is. uh, uh, What's the word? What purpose it is serving? For Anakin slash Vader specifically. Like, Mm -hmm. why is he remembering this moment? And I think it's interesting that he's remembering a moment in which he was told he was too uh, aggressive and short sighted. And then in this episode, he is aggressive and short sighted. Um, So, like, even he in his own memory is, I think, aware of the things he has done wrong and knows what his shortcomings are. Like I think at, at Vader at this point, and we'll talk about this in episode six, is extremely self-aware, which is like even more tragic to me that he can have these flashbacks of knowing exactly the lessons he was supposed to be learning and like either not learning them or deciding they were wrong despite the fact that he continues to fail. <laughs> Right. Which is just a really <laughs> interesting use of his his mental time to be like, yeah, that one time we were sparring and he was like, you really need to like be patient. And he's like, hmm, what if I instead wasn't? And like, so it, it's doing a lot. Like, I think these were, it was a really good use of flashback, especially in the context of like knowing we as a fandom would have like they could literally could have just been going to Dex getting a sandwich and we would have been like yeah yeah. you know what I mean like look at them it's them when they were you know not as they are now but like I appreciate that they very clearly um took the time to make it fit within the story they wanted to tell so
1: I yeah that's why yeah yeah, it yeah. it, it was it was well done this might be something we want to remove from the episode because I know this is fraught but um when, for Patreon, it's for it's the Patreon. For Patreons. <laughs> yes, please pay us money. <laughs> pay us money uh, we to might need just it rancid, terrible for takes. Zoom anyway. <laughs> what? There is there a word? Is there a word I'm not thinking of? For like reverse irony, we're all caught up on the irony now. we we, we now have the inform- it's no longer dramatic irony. The characters have the information they 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 need to sort of retroactively realize their mistakes. but th- there seems to be a sense for me, like watching this um, flashback of like, oh, there were red flags. Oh, there were th-, you know, like, oh, yeah.
0: You know I, think what I'm the, I think
1: the word, uh,
0: I think what you're looking, um, th- the phrase you're looking for is the TikTok audio that's, oh, I have to. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> that. It's that. It's that feeling of um, recognizing. I-, I know what you mean, though, because the way that this flashback is acted, written, performed, I look, Anakin stands, I love you very much. This man is, is a danger to himself and others. And it's so much more clear than I would say if you go back and watch for Star Wars movie, Attack of the Clones. Um, he's roughly the same age, probably. Um, that is shot with a lot more um, empathy, uh, mm-hmm. closeness to Anakin, understanding of the difficulties. Here, this is Vader, you know, years later, remembering himself as a youth. And he's like, he needs to be, <laughs> To be put put away, he needs right. help. Like <laughs> no, um, yes, yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. Like he is, like he's got crazy eyes in this scene. Yeah, Hayden is playing this as a man who knows he's about to like <laughs> go down a very dark path. Like this seems like a very personal acting decision to me. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, he is unhinged, and I hadn't realized
1: that. So thank you for it, bringing that up. I think I noticed it because I had just read Brotherhood and the version of Anakin we see in this scene is not necessarily the Anakin we see in that book or the Anakin we see in the Clone Wars. Like there is, um, there is a difference of intensity here and Anakin Mm -hmm. is already a very intense character. Um, But, but yeah, he's, he's making decisions in this scene um, that he shouldn't like that that are um yeah maybe like not just irrational not just uh dangerous but but almost like willfully so um and whether he is realizing that retroactively as he remembers this scene or was aware of that at some level Mm -hmm. in this moment like we won't necessarily know but um i i felt that way and this is where it becomes fraught is i couldn't help but watch this scene and think about Obi-Wan and think, well, how could you not have seen that?
0: But you're so right, is that um, we are really psychoanalyzing Anakin. And I, I, I wouldn't say that this is the, the, the most uh, ethical use of... Here's the thing. Psychologically, I have no expertise. Psychoanalytic criticism is unfortunately a tenet of literary criticism, and it informs so much of, of how you are taught to analyze characters. Yes, um, it is much more useful as a literary theory than it is as a psychological one. Yes. Um, but you know, if if I'm right, and I think I am, that this is An- Anakin Vader remembering his past. He is imagining himself in a way that is, like you said, I almost feel like unguarded, um, free of not only the guards that were in place to make him more. Uh, acceptable to other people Mm -hmm. but the way he was attempting to control himself like there is a lack of self-control in this scene the way he's dueling the way he's like you know smirking like you know like floating just absolutely um no sense of self-control where even in brotherhood there's a um, a sense that he is very aware of the need for control and feeling like he needs to find a way to have it all. And in order to do that, he needs to sort of balance and juggle all of these responsibilities he has. That's all blown up. That's all been destroyed by himself. And so he's looking back at the scene almost as a version of himself that is reckless and careless because why care about any of those other responsibilities? Speaking thematically, right? Like,
1: yeah, the the, the the idea of the fear of failing one's student and vice versa is a theme we see in Obi-Wan's life. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the sort of premise. This is, the, the, mm-hmm. this is a major theme of Master and Apprentice, right? They're both afraid, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are both afraid that they are not mm-hmm. good enough for one another, that they are going to mm-hmm. sort of fail one another, not live up to one another's expectations. Um, and this is a moment where like, for all the love I hold in my heart for Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I, you know, genuinely hold that love for him, um, this is, this feels like a moment where he, if this scene went down exactly as Vader is remembering it, right? then yes, this is a moment where Obi-Wan failed his student. That This is yeah. a moment where Obi-Wan, instead of, you know, sort of lecturing, right, should yeah. have offered help. And I can imagine why Vader would remember this scene mm-hmm. that way, right? Would remember this as like a failing on Obi-Wan's part to not notice the fact that Anakin needed help and needed guidance beyond just, uh, you know, a lecture about his... Uh, his aggression or his self-control. I do have to wonder if he's thinking
0: in his head, I gave so many signs that I needed help. And then Mm -hmm. the realistic version is the Anakin we see, who's like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to fix my little droid over here. Um, Like that scene where, uh, is it season six or season seven, where Obi-Wan's like, you know, I had feelings for Satine and Anakin's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like um, that to me seems like a more real, like actually what happened Mm -hmm. uh, because I am obviously biased towards Obi-Wan. But I'm sure Anakin didn't perceive it that way. I'm sure he perceived many of their interactions this way where he's like, help, I need help, help me. But like, it doesn't appear that way to other people. Right. Okay. I, um, yes, completely agree. We're still like 20 minutes talking about the flashbacks. <laughs> but it's, 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 you know, there's a lot, it, it continues throughout the episode. It sort of is, would you say it's a braided, is it a braided
1: essay, Fern? It is a braided essay. It is a braided essay. God, I love a braided essay. Um yeah, Vader writes a braided essay about <laughs> his experiences as a Padawan and you know how they relate to his current experiences as a death machine Sith Lord. So a braided um, essay. <laughs> I feel like now I need to define my yeah. thing. So Can a braided essay. Explain hey, yes. a-, a braided essay is basically a style of personal essay or memoir in which you are essentially braiding together or weaving together um narratives from two different points in your life, or sometimes it's um, you know. I, I've seen some really interesting essays that braid um, like dictionary definitions, right? Or, mm. or explanations of like marine marine mammals um, with a narrative about sure. a particular moment in a person's life. Um, and then you sort of see parallels between like this... Um, you know, almost like science textbook format um, or, or what have you. A really good example of this is um, The Rib Joint by Katie Coates, I think is her name. Um, she's sort of like a master of this format. So if that sounds interesting to you, you should read her book. Cool. Um, other
0: things about episode five. That you want to you want to talk about really gave it my all on that flashback i <laughs> <laughs> don't know if i, I have mean, anything left in the tank you really you really did, uh, yeah you did really um you did really give it give it your all um i would like to talk about um this is the most shakespearean of all of the episodes uh, oh okay of- yes because of a couple things um, it, you know not necessarily the like countdown of like we need to escape that's that's also very Clone Wars the idea that mm-hmm. there's like a thing you need to accomplish um in a short amount of time and like we need to escape And like he's acting in, in a, a role as general so there's that too right where that kind of uh, fills that role um but specifically the idea that um you have someone doing a revenge, like Reva in this instance, and we get a reveal of sort of her motivations. We get an uh, explanation of her goals, Um, but then we also get a moment where we find out that there's been some plotting behind the scenes and um, you get uh, 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 Quizzy and Vader. Well, you get (laughs) Vader stabbing her and then Quizzy revealing himself from behind the Arras to be like, this was uh, me was, it was, I. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> I i have i have i have pranked you um so yeah this idea of the dramatic reveal of conspirators um, is just something that is very common in a lot of sort of renaissance era drama you have a lot of groups of people eavesdropping on each other and sort of intertwined plots and people with different motivations this is also obviously very soap opera um but there's just a, It's just a very um, uh, resonant moment to have a character think that they're in their moment of um, victory and then to have that victory dashed by a, a villain re- revealing themselves and being mm-hmm. like, I've known all along. We have, you know, made this whole plan for you. haha. ha. Um, so that was really, really fun. And I think it's fun for a couple of reasons, obviously it's a type of storytelling I enjoy, but I also think it leans into this sense of drama and um, uh, extraness that the, you know, Vader Mm sense to have, um, the Inquisitor tend to have, that these are like dramatic performative people who want a stage, who want an audience, want to perform, who like to be seen as important, Mm -hmm. who like these little moments of like having their little reveals. Like it's I think it's a character work as well because Vader loves doing things like this. He loves having dramatic reveals. It's a big part of who he is as a character. Um so it's just kind of a really delicious little moment. Um yeah I'm always gonna love a villain revealing themselves. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Can I draw another parallel? Yeah. It's very the good place.
0: (laughs) It is very the good place. Um,
1: Absolutely. Right. To have a character who believes that she is, you know, sneaking around and Mm -hmm. is plotting and scheming, and to find out that actually she is part of a bigger, larger Mm -hmm. scheme. Um, Yeah. Very good. I guess you
0: could say uh, the game was right from the start. Mm -hmm. If you want to follow Mm -hmm. reference, Um, which I uh, can't stop thinking about but yeah th- there's very um th- oh it's theatrical that's the word i'm yes, looking for yeah just very theatrical um all sort of eras um obviously mostly at the english stage from like 1600 to 1800 or whatever um the idea that you have certain knowledge um that certain characters have that other characters don't um and that this information is constantly being used to one up each other and sort of get these plots uh acted and yeah I just thought it was excellent and really really fun and I was like giggling I was like having such a great time is it my favorite moment in the show probably it's like a I just,
1: really good moment I just think Rupert Friend is he had so much fun yeah being like Vroom. he sunk his teeth
0: into that he, role he said I am going to be as much as I can be this is a theatrical character and he was right it's very theatrical so that's that's my take. It's very theatrical. It's very Shakespearean. Um, it's also incredibly, incredibly sad. Anakin slash Vader would do that to someone, but also not surprising at all.
1: Yes. I agree. Um, okay, that's on episode six. Episode six. So I said this on Twitter. I will say it again. I could do an entire episode on uh of Is Blank Camp <laughs> on this episode because it is incredibly campy. And so. I think it's great, and I think it's very Star Wars. Sure, I think this is interesting because I think many people thought of Episode Six as like very
0: serious and very Star Wars and very this is art or whatever, and like not that camp can't be that, but I think people saw it as like the prestige Oscar version of the episodes, and you're arguing something slightly different. So I, don't I think, think camp- the
1: show, I think the show thinks it's that, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> but genuinely and I think that's what makes it so campy because it takes itself very seriously it takes itself very seriously it is aiming for prestige right and yeah. um, I'm sorry but Anakin <laughs> and Obi-Wan delivering the same speech to each other that they delivered 10 years ago on a lava planet mm-hmm. but very seriously you know even though they've said these exact words to each other before, and it's a callback that we are aware of. We are yeah. aware that this is a callback to Venge of the Sith, but th- these characters don't know they're in a movie, <laughs> yeah, you know for them it's not a it's it's not a callback, it's not a reference it's not mm-hmm. it it's it's they're um I don't even know what they're doing in that moment, but it was right incredibly- like why
0: would they play out these roles right mm-hmm. speaking of theatrical like it's, it's, it's a theater. Like when they enter that duel, it is a, like, I know many people like myself were hoping for like a, a duel of the mind. Is it not still kind of that? Like, in many ways, this is not a duel that's about, who's going to win for lots of reasons because we kind of know Mm -hmm. how things are going to end up in a certain way but also because it's not really about physically what they can accomplish Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they never are duels are never about that in terms of the story right but this especially so um okay so that them performing their 10-year anniversary of revenge of the sith um reunion what are some other things that you were like this is incredibly camp
1: um, I mean that was the biggest one the 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 end of the episode, well, yes, emotionally resonant. I'm not going to deny that. Um, Obi-Wan coming to visit Leia um, and sort of say goodbye to her. Um there is a playfulness there. Um, that that reads as a little bit campy to me, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's like my own emotional distance that I'm sort of you know, sure. and that's part of this is that like camp is a lens that you can use, um, and and something can be read as camp, but you don't necessarily have to say that it is camp. And mm-hmm. I I can read this scene um, where he's you know telling her, okay, um, you know, but you no one can ever know that we you know that we met, mm-hmm. right? I um, am sort of capable of reading that as camp, um, partially just because of the nature of the performances, um, right. but also because I know that this is a sort of, I don't want to say hamfisted fisted because that mm-hmm. like carries a lot of judgment and that's not what I mean by that. Right. Um, but I guess maybe like over or obvious is the word I mm-hmm. want to use. Um, way to explain why um, nine years later, Leia doesn't say, you helped me, you saved me, Yeah, yeah. you know, she says, oh, you served my father in the Clone Mm -hmm. Wars, right? Uh, And does not directly reference the fact that they've met before. Um, And while on one hand, I find that very sweet, the idea that, you know, nine years Mm -hmm. later, in the midst of like a great danger, Leia still sort of holds to this thing that Mm. she was told as a child, like no one can ever know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also, because I'm sort of aware on like a meta narrative level of like what's going on here. um, I feel a little bit emotionally distant from it. um, And the effect is that it, it feels kind of like a little bit of a campy scene, you know? Sure. Sure. Would you say that,
0: that, so something, um, you mention a lot, or we talk about a lot when we're like talking about books, is the idea of being like interrupted um, or mm-hmm. something that takes you out of yeah. um, the narrative. And I think there are a couple moments in that have, that have in this episode that have the ability to do that or could have that effect on people. And then there are also moments that are like, not campy at all. So, um, or they don't feel as camp. So I would say everything with Riva in episode six, all the stuff happening on Tatooine with Luke and Baru and Owen, that is a very, um, it's serious and it's taking it it's seriously. Effective. And it's effective and it's dramatic and it's sort of, um, and I'm thinking like, what is the difference between that series of sequences and Obi-Wan and Vader? And I think the fact that one of those sets of scenes knows it's in Star Wars and the other one does not.
1: Mm-hmm. And that I- That is and completely I, accurate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like the references being made in- Reva's scenes, and there are references. You know, Luke falls in that canyon, very similar to how he (laughs) this danger, this boy who was a danger to himself, just getting himself hurt all the time, right? But it is about. It's not really even about Luke. Luke happens to be in that scene, but this is Reva coming to terms with her guilt for not being able to do what she thinks she needs to do to honor the sort of deaths of her friends. Yeah, I guess there's no way to really get into this without it being. Opinionate. not that you can't be opinionated but I think camp is something that like you and I obviously you have a very high opinion of it's it's something that has a lot of joy and interest and intrigue and like it's fun but there's a sense to wondering the idea that it takes you out of the thing is also a possibility so I'm thinking of the hello there moment, which I don't <laughs> like. I hate it. it. It's my least ever part of the entire series. It feels so unnecessary and so self-aware that it's Star Wars. So, it's campy. It's incredibly
1: yes, camp. Yes, yes, it's, yes, it's, yes. It's,
0: it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's a fun like yeah. I know I'm running out of time. Zoom, so don't <laughs> taunt <to> me. Don't <laughs> taunt me. The the
1: the scenes that know that they are in Star Wars and part of the reason why I feel that those scenes can be read as camp. Um, they we see the artifice right we see Mm -hmm. that this is a story that is being crafted to fit Mm -hmm. a particular uh framework that already exists right um and so we need to like tie up loose ends like oh why doesn't she mention that she knows him in uh, a new Mm -hmm. hope and oh he's gonna say hello there because it's a callback to this thing that already happened um and so there there's um there's an element here of, uh, I I guess the sense of like, this isn't authentic, this isn't, Mm -hmm. this isn't quote natural, which none of it actually Mm -hmm. is um, because it's all a story. It's all manufactured, Mm -hmm. right? But like, I think camp is what happens when you are aware that it's manufactured, when you see the artifice instead of feeling like, oh, this is something that just sort of like naturally occurred. Um, Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because, you know, I'm not here saying
0: Star Wars shouldn't ever be aware of itself or like be aware of its own artifice because there are so many moments where, like, there is such great joy in the fact that it knows it's a Star Wars or the fact that you can be um, aware of the artifice. I would say The Mandalorian does an excellent job Mm -hmm. of. Din's role as the, like, pro- new, new, the protagonist who's, who is unfamiliar with the world, who's sort of being introduced to these concepts, uh, when he says things about, like, when he says to Luke Skywalker, are you a Jedi? There's, there could absolutely be a sense of artifice of, like, oh my gosh, this is so self-referential, this knows it's a Star War, but there's also a sense of, like, oh my gosh, that's, that's so amusing. The idea that there could be a character in this world who does not know or does not understand the things we understand like is it just all person I mean we would re- we I think we say that it's all personal taste but yes, like yes, I mean is there anything else to the degree to which you will become aware of an art of the artifice in Star Wars because I don't know that I know of other experiences I've had where things have like bothered me that there's been an artifice um and so I'm curious like
1: is there any mm. academic reason for it or is it just me hating fun i don't think it's you hating fun i mean i think like the reason um you know din saying are you a jedi doesn't feel artificial and doesn't feel um doesn't feel like the word forced comes to mind although yeah, yeah, i really yeah, dislike like yeah. the way you know yeah it's all for someone
0: wrote it down It didn't exist right. before this moment <laughs>
1: right exactly <laughs> um but you know because it feels authentic for this character, Mm -hmm. right? Like the the character we have come to know over the course of these two seasons, it completely tracks that, yeah, he would would not be aware of who Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. is and he would not really be aware of what a Jedi is. And we see him learn what a Jedi is Mm -hmm. for the first time, but a few episodes before, right? Right. Um, So even though there is like a level of self-awareness there, it still feels true within the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it doesn't have that sort of like, slight discomfort that Mm -hmm. camp because that's the other thing about camp like it's a little bit uncomfortable and it's a little bit ugly and like there were moments so another moment in this episode that i know was not intended to feel campy and yet to me it did and i'm sure people have differing opinions on this but when obi-wan uses the force to like lift all these rocks and in some Mm -hmm. ways it's sort of like paralleling what we see ray do that's Mm -hmm. a completely different conversation for me um But that moment is supposed to be like really emotionally impactful and look at his like strength and Mm -hmm. look at what he's risen above and et cetera. Um, And it's just so over the top and so like, almost like action hero-y taken yeah, to an it's extreme. it's very,
0: he powered up and right. <laughs> took a, he took a perk where he can lift rocks now.
1: Yes, exactly. That that moment, I did not feel this like swell of like pride. I felt that sort of joyous, like discomfort that comes from something that I read as, as very camp. Yeah, so, and I
0: think joyous yeah. discomfort is a good way to describe it. And it's just like, sometimes certain things are gonna push you over the edge to like, no, I hate it stop mm-hmm. and some things are just going to be like uh, for example him pelting anakin with rocks is one of the best <laughs> moments of my life yeah i'm obsessed with it it is pure joy for me to be to be like oh stop <laughs> <He's> like being <laughs> hit with rocks but i don't like when he says hello there later and yeah. both are moments of joyous discomfort both are like moments of artifice where the fight between them this sort of climactic battle this This scene both has some of the most like raw emotional moments, but it is also two characters. It's you as a kid taking your two action figures and having them fight together. And I think in many ways, that's just what Star Wars is. It is you smashing your action figures together. Plus you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did like Mm -hmm. it it is unfortunately both of these things all of the time. And we're never going to resolve that conflict. Um, yes, I just, I don't watch anime, but it seems like that was an anime moment for him.
1: If, yeah, I also don't watch a ton of anime, but based on the little that I have watched. Yeah, yeah, that that, there's a lot of rock
0: based um, character development. Yeah,
1: 100%. Um, we're running out of
0: time again, but I do want to talk about, um, the actual emotional, uh, breakdown stuff, not breakdown, the conversations between the two of them, (laughs)
1: Might be a breakdown, Uh, who knows? Maybe a breakdown, who knows? Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, with our three minutes that we have left in this Zoom meeting, because this uh, sort of reminds me of it, I would just like to take this time to shout out our friend and mutual, um, Jacob David Earl, who has been making a three minute long talk show about the Mm Obi-Wan series um, as it was coming out. And it was excellent. And literally Mm -hmm. I think Jacob was like, the the best in the biz as it were absolutely um, and if you're not following him you absolutely yeah, and should. when talk show we mean like actually like an a actual talk show with the right. sound
0: of like the band playing coming in after commercial incredibly break incredibly like well whole,
1: produced yeah the
0: whole thing the whole thing um had a really great joke um saying that he wasn't Leia's dad and he said it's, it's ironic because his son was assigned nephew at birth just like a real singer um but yes, absolutely follow Jacob. Um, okay, uh, we will be right back. We wanted to talk about, we talked about the campiness of episode six and the sense of artifice. Um, and then I mentioned that, you know, it's mixed in with these really, I don't say artificial because it's not meant in a like negative way. The moments where they stop fighting and it's, it's, they talk to each other yeah. um, about their feelings, I guess is the only way to describe it. Um And this is something I want to get into later talking about sort of all the different sort of connections and parallels to this scene. But um, what did you make of like the actual character development being done here for both of them to get them to like, where, you know, to see where they left off and where they end up knowing that that was kind of like the goal of the series in many ways. And this is like their last big actual moment conversation before their final duel, like, what was your take on, because before you have talked a lot about um, this relationship and sort of mentor student relationship and uh, Obi-Wan's duty and loyalty to Anakin. So like, what kind of development did you see happening in this scene?
1: It is interesting to me that Obi-Wan does not what this scene indicates to me is that Obi-Wan is not capable of, and I use the term forgive himself here, like with yeah. caution, because I don't know if that's exactly what I mean. And I don't know if he has forgiven himself. Mm-hmm. I, I but uh, d- he is not able to sort of move forward emotionally um, on his own. Right. Anakin kind of relieve, or Vader kind of relieves him of um, guilt here, right? right. Like vader says you know you didn't kill anakin skywalker i did um and though i'm sure you know this is not what he (laughs) meant it as it almost feels like a gift to me like a Mm -hmm. gift that he is giving obi-wan of like you know you don't need to feel guilty about this because this isn't something you did this is something I did to myself which is like shockingly insightful yeah um, for this character especially as we discussed in the previous episode he does seem to harbor um you know this 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 anger Mm -hmm. and obviously it goes without saying I I could have it's it's complicated for me because um I could have gone for like more of that if mm-hmm. you will like i think if i were sitting down with this scene in workshop um my advice which is of course useless and 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 <laughs> at this point right but like um would be that this this need this conversation just needs to be like a beat or two longer i don't mm. know like a, a line or two longer I, I can't like quite place what exactly mm. is missing but it feels like we just need one more sort of moment Mm -hmm. um in this conversation um but i do think it is the you know most effective part of Mm -hmm. this whole sequence this whole fight this whole interaction between the two of them and i'm guessing you'd agree so yeah what are your thoughts
0: yeah i i do agree and i
1: think um You know, I talked
0: about how in episode four, it was the structure and the sort of scope solidified for me. And then, you know, therefore, it was not surprising to me that this is where they were going. And um, this is something I think we'll have to talk about at some point later. Um, You know, talking about something being effective or talking about something sticking the landing or Mm -hmm. being satisfying. These are all things that we... Are rating or sort of comparing to a standard, yeah. um, And so if you if it fits that standard and you value that standard and that's something you enjoy or are looking for, um, and or it just happens to work for you, um, then you can sort of use words, you know, that seem to be uh, valuing something and sort of saying like, okay, you know, it was effective, it was successful in doing what it tried to do, right? So this is not to say that like this was the only way it could have been done, which is something I think is hard to um, get to the bottom of when you're talking about something like Star Wars that people spend so much time thinking about and writing about and um, creating their own versions of. Um, But yeah, I think this is exactly the type of scene that you would expect and um, achieves the goals the show was trying to achieve, which is the Obi-Wan we see in A New Hope seems sad, he seems, um, you know, still like he's still dealing with a lot of trauma from his past, but he's not hopeless. Mm -hmm. He seems calm, he seems sure of himself. He's not afraid at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is very obviously not Obi-Wan at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And it's very clearly not Obi-Wan at the beginning of the series. So how does he end up there? Um, And I think you're right that it's interesting that it's not even Obi-Wan forgiving himself as much as it is realizing that it, he has to let it go. Like, I, I, I think you could argue whether or not Anakin is like taking credit or giving him a gift. Like that's a very, that's a scene that's very open to interpretation. That's a line that's very open to interpretation, which is great. Those are always the best ones the to be able ones. to sit yeah. down and analyze and be like, what do you mean by that, sir? Um, but yeah, obi Wan, like, then then my friend is truly dead. Like there's nothing more I can do here. I don't need to punish myself anymore, and it's not that I've, you know, said I did nothing wrong, and I've like actually forgiven myself. Right, whatever right, that right. means, it's just being like it's, it's it's a Jedi thing. This is an attachment of his. It's a it's a it's a toxic, um damaging attachment. um But he has to let go of it, even if he is still unsure of his position and unsure of what he could have done to change things there's nothing he can do about that now so that was kind of my reading is that it is a very jedi moment to be like well I, i'm out and okay i can't do anything else i've this is i can't i'm done this i gotta let it go like i can't be the person i need to be i can't be the jedi i need to be i can't actually help luke i can't actually help the galaxy if i'm here obsessing over what i did wrong with you ten years ago right yeah yeah and so um, I gotta be done yeah I am, that's a really good I, way of he is cutting it, yeah. Anakin out of his life he's setting a healthy boundary mm-hmm. his therapist said Obi-Wan you don't need to actually forgive yourself you don't need to actually right. say that you did nothing wrong or that blah 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 you just need to heal and you got to start by cutting him out of your life and then that's the thing he needs to unlock the Qui-Gon achievement um, yes yes The DLC, the Qui-Gon DLC. Yeah, the Qui-Gon DLC, you have to uh, beat the game, actually, and in order to do that, you have to defeat Anakin. You know, I I was actually thinking about- And if you put all of your points into speech, you don't actually have to, uh, you can end it with a speech check.
1: Yeah, I was actually thinking about that, because I um, did, and I talked about this on TikTok, and I think I talked about this in the last episode we did about the show, um, but I sort of not initially, not when the show began, but as we watched the first few episodes, I started to think that maybe Qui-Gon would appear in episode four, episode five, mm-hmm. um, sort of as this like seizing the sword kind of moment. Like, oh yes, he, yeah. he's achieved some sort of like reconnection with the force. Um, and and the yeah. reward for that is Qui-Gon. <laughs> 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 the greatest reward one can. Congratulations, you've unlocked Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes, I'm sitting here next to, I've put my uh, Qui-Gon, but not forgotten sticker (laughs) on my laptop. Um, Thank you, Ari. Um, It makes sense to me that we, that that is not the sort of order of things Mm -hmm. here. Um, Because I do think that we, if we're talking about like expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we expect that, yeah, the reward is going to come at the very end of the story, it's the DLC, it's what you unlock after you beat the game, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and obviously it opens new possibilities for for new stories. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think it's a smart move to, to put that sort of reveal at the end, mm-hmm. um, but it is not necessarily a given. And I think if yeah. we do look at like, even, you know, other, like what we might consider to be like a traditional story structure, um, there are other places in this story where it, it maybe would have made sense to like give obi-wan that reward right mm-hmm. uh, uh, of, of reconnecting with qui-gon um but but i think it makes sense that 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 happens when it happens yeah, yeah.
0: and i would say you know my argument is that you know one thing i like about qui-gon appearing one he does and the way he does is that it Reveals to me, or I think, it suggests to the audience that Obi Wan isn't done learning. Yes, that yes, the yes. idea that he has he has you know maxed out um his level. I'm sorry, I'm playing a lot of Fallout, and I'm getting really <laughs> close to to the level cap, and I'm kind of like getting sad that I am gonna run mm-hmm. out of, I won't be able to level up anymore. Right. I'm simply, I'm simply too good of a gamer, too powerful. Uh, yeah, I'm too powerful. That um, that's not how Jedi work. That's not how Obi Wan works, and that <laughs> journey of his is you know it has wrapped his um sense of responsibility and attachment to what happened to Anakin as i have said many times and in fact many people have taken out restraining orders because i won't stop saying it to them <laughs> um there i there's so much more to him as a character mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. although that was not the goal of the show and i respect that um it is important to me that they show that like no, no he's got force ghost training to do He he doesn't just get to like relax now and he wouldn't want to he wouldn't want to just like retire and ride off into the sunset he is dedicated to being a jedi and that is the purpose of his life he is looking for not just you know connecting to quaggan because he needs the support he he's connecting because he was given an assignment like this is part of what he is supposed to be doing is not just watching over luke but like taking on this incredibly um esoteric uh, homework assignment to like learn how to exist beyond death like he's got that on his plate too and um i appreciate that that is framed as his next journey and i think suggests that like he's never really done on that path of yep. like being a jedi it's it's a constant thing that he chooses every time and we've talked a lot about how that's central to both of our understandings of the character mm-hmm. is like it's not easy, but he chooses it every time. Yes.
1: Yeah. He, he certainly does. Yeah. Any other thoughts about this final episode?
0: Um, so a lot of my thoughts are kind of wrapped up in the series as a whole. I will say, Mm -hmm. um, I really thought it was fun. Well, it's not, I wouldn't say fun and like a, it's very sad. Um, Reva, um, I was just fully expecting her to die because that's how revenge arcs end. Mm-hmm. Um, you might learn that you've done something wrong or you might finally achieve your goal, um, but you have to pay for that. And usually that atonement is done in death. And then it sort of wraps everything up really neatly. And this is my next episode I'm going to be doing is on redemption arcs and sort mm-hmm. of um, how that functions in a literary sense. And I think it is a good choice to subvert that expectation and i don't mean in terms of like it's the right choice because this is how stories should work but because the constant (laughs) mistreatment of women of color in star Mm -hmm. wars in Mm -hmm. terms of how their characters get shafted the idea that she has an opportunity to continue to grow as a character and learn from those mistakes and um has a future um, is 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 important in a way that like is more important than having like a traditional fulfilling revenge arc that to me comes second to the opportunity for an actress or a character to um, continue to exist uh, in a universe that seems to um, put them in little boxes and then Mm -hmm. throw those boxes (laughs) off of a waterfall because, you know, we have to kill off these characters or sideline them or whatever. So the fact that she can't do it, um, that she can't kill Luke um, also you know who else can't kill Luke? <laughs> For- <laughs> I do know who else can't kill Luke. He's like, well, wait a second. You know, the thing about Luke is people think he's this like giga chat superpower Jedi. But really, he's, he's baby who people can't bring themselves to hurt.
1: He's just a little boy and no one he's, can bring themselves. He's
0: just a little boy who when people get down to the wire, they're like, actually, this seems like, this seems like, a, no, you can't hurt him.
1: It's actually kind of the exact opposite of, like, what you would expect from Grogu, right? Because you see Grogu and you think, oh, that's, like, a little baby that, like, no one could bring themselves to hurt, but people try anyway, and he can, like, defend himself, whereas Luke, you think he's, like, this mega-powerful Jedi, but Mm -hmm. actually, he's just a little boy that people can't bring themselves to hurt.
0: Yeah, they're like, wait a second, he's being electrocuted, that's, I don't want that to happen, stop it. Oh, no. Yeah, so, um... Look, I love, as I've said many times, I love Return of the Jedi, and I love a good moment where a bad person is like, you know what? I actually have an option. I don't have to do the bad thing anymore, and I'm going to choose to not do it. And I'm like, yay, <laughs> good job. You know what?
1: This was an incredible Emory Cantros moment right here. It she's was. so emery coded. oh my gosh she is so
0: emery coded. <laughs> well i think it's just it's it's you know it's something that a lot of discourse i saw which is obviously a sort of microcosm of the discourse around vader mm-hmm. um and is something i will absolutely be covering when we talk about redemption arcs is well there's she can't actually boop she killed people I'm like yeah i know that's not not look, the point i don't like yeah. to tell people how to interpret stories but what's happening here in terms of what the story is at least trying to tell you is thematically it's you always you can always turn back there you are never lost in the sense that there is no sunk cost where you've done so much bad that there's no point in doing good again because that's what vader thinks for 20 years is like why try why Mm -hmm. try to do anything to to change things i'm stuck here i'm doomed i've lost everyone i love this was my choice. I put myself here and Reva is thinking the same thing. Like I failed. I I couldn't even do what I thought I needed to do to make myself feel better. Um, there's a lot of survivor's guilt. Um, and having to wrestle with the facts that it is hard to choose to do the right thing. It is almost easier to continue to double down and not have to face, the fact and that it you, literally is it
1: with yeah. we, in star wars right like you know it is we, harder we talk all the time about how in star wars the dark side is not an allegory it's like this actual literal thing yeah. that is really really your brain. powerful and it eats your brain and it sucks you in um and so it is literally easier to double down mm-hmm. Um and it is almost you know we see is almost irresistible for for yep. for many many characters but then you have your Emrys and you have your Revas who um you know as we're told uh you know as as Vernestra tells Emry like the dark side is a series of choices you make mm-hmm. it's not something you do by mistake um so yep. so so yep. making that difficult choice to turn back is
0: yeah and I it's always it's a that possibility yeah yeah and I, and it's always nice when like. Your understanding of something is the text is like good, correct. Yes, but like, um, you know, that's not to say that there aren't other interpretations. I think, however, like this is very much in the vein of um, the ethos of at least, very, very clearly at least the original trilogy of like, it is difficult to do the right thing. It is always harder, but it is not meaningless to do. Like, even if it seems like, what is the point? Um, for yourself or for others it is it is the proof of concept that like there is your your soul is not completely corrupted that is sort of the point um and this I think shows that as well and then what's interesting is that she's alive still and so she'll have to deal with what that means as someone who has to continue to exist in the world which is a different kind of story um and I know some people inherently think that's better I I you know I think that's complicated and it's something I'm going to get into, but it is now we don't know what happens next. Right. right. She has all this possibility. And I think that's fun. Uh, I know this is, is already getting longer than we probably want it to be, but to talk about the series as a whole, mm-hmm. um, I have a couple things on here um, that I had mentioned, but you know, we can, we can kind of talk about what we want to talk about, but I would say as a whole, what are some of the things like We've done our reading responses, but now it's time for the final paper, Fern. It's time for the term paper. Okay, okay, okay. What are you gonna write your term paper on? What are you gonna write your seminar paper on?
1: See, this is I know what I would actually write my my term (laughs) paper on, but I don't know if we want to get into it because it right away, because it um kind of very connected to my personal feeling and I think also your personal feelings. Yeah. I would if I, if I were in an Obi-Wan Kenobi class and I was writing mm-hmm. my final paper on Obi-Wan Kenobi and this show was one of the, you know, texts we were sort of putting mm-hmm. on the assignment sheet, it's like, okay, you got to pick from, like, these texts mm-hmm. and, like, this is one of them, right? Um, I think I would probably talk about the way Obi-Wan is portrayed in, like, books and comics versus in, and cartoons yeah, yeah, yeah. versus, like, live action Media and like the sort of implications of that. But I don't know if we wanna get into that right
0: now. But 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 I think two of the three of the things I wanted to talk about are directly related to that. Okay, okay, on my list of things. So we've already talked about Revenge Plots and Redemption Arc. So I'm gonna cut that one out because I already mentioned that with episode six, right? It subverts that expectation. I think there's a lot of real world reasons for that. Um having um a black woman in Star Wars who gets to continue on potentially um, their story is incredibly important, important. yeah um, and also it's just interesting to put into context of like anakin and she's kind of a parallel for anakin so we covered that the two other things i had were intertextuality um so mm-hmm. i specifically was looking at like the way that the series references one through six versus how it references seven through nine why did i i just acted like rosa Resin- <laughs> didn't exist which i know i know some people I do re- notice in, that in, i know some people do actually but i wasn't trying i was to. assuming
1: that you were just like i noticed parallels to seven and eight but and not many no that's, nine, that's true there so, are there yeah. are
0: parallels to um anakin's mask um the sort of right. oh, the connections the God, most important the people to rebels. In, yeah, yeah people in life, but I also want to talk about candidacy and hierarchy. So I would say intertextuality plus candidacy and hierarchy equals Star Wars. Yes, yes, yes. Because I think this is something to, yes, yes, absolutely. Your emotions aren't necessarily evidence and they're not necessarily Mm -hmm. what you should use. However, they can help guide you like for example guide you to you what want, you care about in yes, a, you wouldn't yes. want to tell a student to write about something they don't actually care about right? right but you would then say you can't say i feel this way therefore x you would say okay well what in the text do you think supports your reading right. what other scholars why do i feel you know, this way right exactly yeah. so i'm um, trying to maybe synthesize that because i know the idea that your feelings aren't important star wars is can sound ridiculous that's not what we're saying it's recognizing okay here's how i feel what sort of scholarship or you know research can help me make sense of it or understand yes, it yes. or prove a point maybe that I'm I'm trying to make or whatever the case may be so I say go for it and I think this is important because this is the biggest you know Disney plus show it's been a huge success mm-hmm. for them this is something a lot of people see but there's so much chase character people don't see and yes. there's so much of it that seems like anyway
1: yeah I'll, this is so your paper. what I will say is I don't hold any of this against the show. I think that there are incredibly understandable reasons for why this why this is the way it is, and the way I'm about to describe. This show is limited by its format, right? It's six episodes. Um, They're relatively short episodes. It's not like they're an hour and a half long Mm -hmm. or anything like that, and they 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 explore a time in Obi-Wan's life where, of course, I, you know, I, I, I've been saying this since the beginning or before the show came out. Of course, the main thing in Obi-Wan's life is the way he feels about everything that mm-hmm. went down with Anakin, right? His connection to Anakin, because he's on Tatooine, like on Anakin's home planet, watching over Anakin's son. Of course, the narrative has mm-hmm. to revolve around his connection to Anakin. I am very interested in that relationship. It has always been very important to me. And so I don't hold any of that against the show, but it is one aspect of Obi-Wan mm-hmm. Kenobi's life. Um, and you, you know, you talk about this all the time. Um,
0: well, it's interesting. It's called a limited series because yeah.
1: it's a li- and it limited is, is not bad. Like, I, oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nope, it's not a bad ahead. thing. No, yeah, no, no. So, so, but, but it's, it's the nature of, this type of storytelling and the format and the fact that this show was incredibly expensive to produce Mm -hmm. is I think the most expensive star Wars, Disney plus show. Um, and, and you can see that in the quality and I'm sure a lot of that went to Ewan McGregor's (laughs) paycheck. Um, right. You know, um, the fact of the matter is, um, moving outside the text for a moment, um, when you are investing a lot of money into product you need that product to sort of make good on Mm -hmm. that investment and that means appealing to as large an audience as possible and that sometimes means not being able to explore or invest in like nuance and complexity as much as you can in say a book that you know you paid in advance of like what twenty five thousand dollars or whatever um and then Publishing costs, so right. Um, There's a it's it's a business, and I think yes, you know,
0: being aware of the business of Star Wars is something that can turn people into um, very jaded, very uh, disenchanted, disenfranchised, mm-hmm. and and I get that because it is disappointing to see beyond what, as a child, feels like an exciting Magic, story, yeah. Yeah. magical world, and then you grow up and realize how fraught these things are. Um, and being aware of the fact, like considering the constraints they had, they had to really, like, it makes sense to me, not only from a business standpoint, but from, okay, you get one shot at this. What's a like story we are confident we can tell in this time frame and do mm-hmm. a really good job of, right? Because one of the things people would say about expectations or things people wanted was there's not time for that. And I think that is always an interesting argument for me because it is saying, realistically, yes, we know the constraints, but also why are those constraints there? And why do they mean we can't discuss certain things like you said, or we can't get into certain um, nuances or complexities. Um, And it's hard to kind of not um, let that get to you to the point of where you're like, well, I know why they didn't reference X, Y, or Z because they're trying to appeal to an audience that wouldn't want to see that. And it feels like they're, Kowtowing to groups of people that you know we necessarily don't think deserve to have a say for everyone like it's complicated and it doesn't mean giving up on (laughs) star wars necessarily but it is something that makes it more complicated
1: yeah yeah so the version of obi-wan we see in this show i think is um I don't want to say that there, so, and this is what I would explore in the yeah. you know, term paper. In your, I'm in your paper, everyone, Kenobi is like, it's not to say that there isn't a depth of character there, because mm-hmm. I think there is. Um, but I think um, if you've heard the like, the metaphor of like okay if you if your being is like an ocean there are tide pools and that's not to say that the the tide pool isn't right. you like it is you but it's just this little contained sort of mm-hmm. version of you i think that's what we're seeing and yeah. i think that there is um there is a weirdness there is a willingness to experiment and to explore like strangeness in the books and comics mm-hmm. and the tv shows not only in regards to, like, Obi-Wan's life, but just in, like, form and structure mm-hmm. um, and, and content um, that we we don't get in this show. Mm-hmm. I anticipated this. I, yeah. I, I, I've said before, like, I know that the Star Wars I love most is not necessarily mm-hmm. the Star Wars that most people are into, and that's okay. Um, you know, it doesn't all have to sort of be for me, um, but I think especially um, there. uh, so I just watch, uh, I don't know if I actually, I'm not going to get into this right now. I'll save this for later. Um, but, but yeah, a little compare and contrast paper perhaps between, um, the way Obi-Wan as a character is sort of rendered and, and how his experiences are portrayed, um, in the, what we might consider to be like, lower um and that's not how Mm -hmm. lucasfilm talks about these right you know shows and um books and comics and such but uh shall we say like the the less circulated um pieces of media versus the show right
0: and i think this is something that um gets really complicated because there's analyzing the text itself and then there's being aware of like the means of production that produced Mm -hmm. it and like knowing that those two things are related but not wanting to be um essentialist or say that of course it had to be a certain way or like Mm -hmm. you know tv show live action tv show could never be experimental or weird because certainly it could right these are not necessarily like rules they are simply like realities in terms of how things get made um and yeah characterization is something that um we did a whole episode on and it's it's not his characterization doesn't feel off necessarily but i think you're right that for the sake of the story they wanted to tell it is focused very specifically on one area of growth and I think you could make a story argument for why that is, that he is literally yeah. stuck there. So it's not that you can't justify it because um, you you can justify anything is, is Zoom, I actually hate you. Um, <laughs> um, you can justify anything, which is something that I don't think um, yeah I'm always making it a little bit weirder but yeah I know we want to talk about canon at some point because mm-hmm. unfortunately yes. Star Wars is never just the text itself it exists in a like almost religious context of oh yeah it texts yeah, yeah. that are always more than just the thing itself and we don't really have time to get into we the have canon about.
1: and we have apocrypha like yeah we li- literally li-
0: we literally do so <laughs> it is you know it's it's never just about the text itself it's always about people not only value but like recognize that
1: blasphemous or like
0: you know heretical um and there's there's a lot there of anything else as a as a whole here that i wanted to mention um and we don't have a lot of time i would just say that i thought it was interesting that um the references to episodes one through six were episode by episode they were structural um Mm -hmm. there was a clear homage and then a lot of the references to seven through nine were characterization they were obi-wan um Filling in a role similar to Ray. Um, I don't know if that makes like I feel like this is I uh, this could sound a little out there, but they did describe it as a love story. Oh, we and Anakin filled Ray and Ben, Kylo Ren a little bit vibes yep. in yep. this in terms of like how they're referencing seven through nine. The idea that there's this part of you that you can't connect with because. There's something that is sort of fundamentally yep. in the way, um, and I was thought that was interesting that it was not like structurally or even plot-wise referencing seven through nine as mm-hmm. much as it was characterization,
1: thematically as well, and like thematically and aesthetically as well. Mm-hmm. We talked about in our previous episode um, the, the the sort of aesthetics of mm-hmm. Obi Wan going about his routine and having mm-hmm. these quiet moments, sort of paralleling what we see um, from Ray in the Force Awakens, yeah. which is interesting
0: because go on has a sense of responsibility um to Anakin, which is slightly different but I thought that was interesting I don't know what to make of that I don't know why that's how they went about it um there's probably a lot more there that we could dive into but we don't have the time to do that right now but I thought that was interesting yeah okay with a few minutes you're left at the end would you like to take off your teacher hat for a second is there anything you want to say just as a fan
1: okay yes um, so I, I think this was made clear by my, my term paper at the <laughs> end. So I personally like the weird stuff more. Mm-hmm. I would have loved a weird force vision or two, mm-hmm. or even a whole episode. I, I talked about this in the last episode. Um, I love like the world between worlds is mm-hmm. one of my favorite episode of rebels. One of my favorite ep- like star Wars things mm-hmm. ever. I just watched and I know it took me forever to get to it, but I finally watched the um, episodes in season six of the Clone Wars where Yoda goes on his little force Mm -hmm. adventure um, and connects with Qui-Gon, which is obviously relevant to Mm -hmm. what we're dealing with here. Um, And that's what I was gonna say, but stop myself a few minutes ago. I would have loved to see something more in that vein. Mm-hmm. I think those episodes are excellent and weird in the best possible way, um, and and certainly I would have loved to see that from this show. But I understand why that's not really the direction that yeah. they decided to go in. Um, similarly, I, I mentioned or I stopped myself earlier from talking about this tomb scene and why I mm-hmm. don't think it's this sort of like pivotal moment in Obi Wan's hero's journey. Um, because the story isn't really about his yeah, like, connection. It's not about those people. It's not about even his connection with the Jedi Order. Like it might mm-hmm. be about his connection with the Force, but not with the Order. The Jedi, yeah. Um, right. And I, as you know, the Jedi apologist <laughs> of the internet, um, mm-hmm. I know, and someone who, who really like the Jedi Order is important to me and Opion's mm-hmm. relationship to, to it is really important to me. I would have liked to see that too. All of that being said, I think it's a great show. Like, I think mm-hmm. it did a really good job. I enjoyed it. I think it's beautiful. I will be returning to it. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this do I say because I'm like disappointed in the show. Just right. because, but but you know, my my personal tastes are not necessarily what was like being catered yeah. to here. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's something that is important to reference and something I I have gotten really frustrated with um, in terms of because Star Wars is so complicated in terms of how we interact with it. There is this sense of uh, policing we do of each other in terms of what we want out of something and sort of how we um, interact with it and how we have expectations. And there's a certain degree of this that is an attempt to keep a community from too much inviting or sort of really making people's lives miserable. But I would say that for you know a large portion of the audience, there was a sense of satisfaction and completion of the story and feeling like. Um, you know, I guess this, I don't mean to be like controversial at all, but fan service seems to be bad unless it's servicing you. In which case we accept it and say, it's fine. Like I've said this many times, like, um, a lot of people had issues with the fallen star, but I love Elzar man with all of my heart and soul. And so they're like, here's some angsty Els man. And I was like, thank you so much. I love it. Um, when this, you are the fan being serviced to. I think it's very easy for us, myself included, um, to forget that that is affecting how we are analyzing the text. And we can do everything we can to be objective, but we are flawed human beings. And I think being overly critical of people who are disappointed because, they didn't get what they wanted is always going to be fraught if you yourself did get what you wanted. Right? right. So I think we need to be very careful, especially because we as a community want so much to move past the sort of famous toxicity. Um, if you found this to be really satisfying into Obi-Wan's character and you're ready to move on, um, you know, That doesn't, there's no objective truth in that in the same way that someone who's disappointed doesn't mean that their show would have been better or right or the way it should have been. It's all about um, the luck of the draw in terms of what stories gets made and how they resonate with you. And that complicates how we interact with them. Um, And yeah, I guess that's just something I think about a lot is we have a tendency to get very defensive and um, sometimes it's good to be a little vulnerable and recognize that we can be hypocritical. I can say like, yeah, I really liked Brotherhood because it referenced the teen a lot. Does it mean that's a good novel? I don't know. I like it because it personally did things for me that I thought were uh, important. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good. I think it's good to just good to be aware of the yeah. way our personal experiences and our likes and dislikes are going to impact our, our experience with the text. So yeah absolutely
0: I think like I said many times I think we would agree I don't really know how I feel about the show till five years from now yeah and then I will actually have for you real your indif- thoughts your my feelings. actual like researched you know right. time spent
1: thoughts yes yeah I'm um, not gonna know how I feel about this until I go back to watch it years from now and yep you know, when someone's think other about everything have, that's come out. Yeah, yeah like yep, it's, yep. Odd,
0: you know, it's constantly, there are no self-contained texts. There are no complete texts. This is all mm-hmm. the big Star Wars soup and it's never done, right? And so we are only working with the information we have now and that's going to change in the future, which is exciting, but also scary. Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, my final words though, would be that there is lots of other Obi-Wan stuff that's coming oh, out this so year and it's great. And go yeah. check that out.
0: We should put that in the in the doobly do. We should have a little. Yeah. If you're if you're feeling sad that the show is over, which I know a lot of people are, and are like, "But what do I do now?" We've got recommendations for. We sure do. Yeah, Re- Obi Wan Media that you can use to patch the Obi Wan <laughs> tool in your or the hole in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't remember. Did we end the last episode with our saying, or did we decide that it
1: wasn't right? I feel like we decided that it wasn't right, but I don't remember what we did instead.
0: Hmm. Great question.
1: Ooh. I'll tell you what, though. If it's not relevant now, I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't there's, know what it will there's be. There's no. There's no better
0: time than discussing the end of the Obi Wan Kenobi uh, miniseries to say that he's probably dead. May the force be with you. He's
1: probably dead. May the force be with you. <laughs> Rip.